Blog Talk Radio. Call Talk for May 16, 2012. Today's topic is Don't Believe the Myths About Social Media and Call Centers. If you're listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. And here's how you do it. Email, email us at sean, S-E-A-N, at benchmarkportal.com. Or if you're listening on the phone or close to one, call in. The number to call in is 347-857-3117. Make sure you press 1 on the phone to let me know that you have a question, and I'll get you in. The first person to ask a live question on the phone will receive a free $1,500 benchmarking survey. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen at benchmarkportal.com at any time of the day. And now I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Sean, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is customer service and social media. Now, with social media giant Facebook boasting a population bigger than most countries, and about to launch a mega IPO, this is really an area we can't ignore. So we've brought in a pioneer on the topic for you, Dr. Natalie Petahoff. Natalie brings a long history of working in and with customer service departments and has added social media to her skill set. And with these two areas as her focus, she helps companies to understand how social media applies to their customer service and their business overall. And she's also mastered the vexing question of what is the ROI of social media. Dr. Natalie, as she's known in the industry, teaches the social media business course at UCLA. She creates, uh, creates training programs for business-oriented social media, as well as for leadership and employee motivation. She's written four business books and many white papers, and has been cited in numerous publications, including Business Week, Fast Company, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, CRM Magazine, as well as national television and radio. The former president of the Los Angeles Social Media Club, Dr. Natalie has held positions as a forester analyst, a management consultant at PricewaterhouseCoopers and Hitachi, and has been in management at Hughes Electronics, GM, and GE. And she currently leads the social media effort at Benchmark Portal. So it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Natalie. Thank you, Bruce. It's really my pleasure to be here. Um, this is clearly one of my favorite topics. If you see me on Twitter or on Facebook, I'm chatting about it all the time. So I'm really excited to be a guest and to uh, I know. talk about this. Yeah, no, this is really very exciting. And, uh, Natalie, we first collaborated on a publication over a decade ago. And really so much has happened in our industry since then with social media. It's got to be at the top of the list. Uh, and I know that you and I both like tossing the occasional Molotov cocktail when the evidence points away from conventional wisdom, uh, get people to think. And, and, and so uh, how about if we explode a few myths about social media today? Sounds good to me. Let's do it. Okay, good. Well, great. You, you've taken aim at three social media myths, uh, which are myth one, social media doesn't affect customer service. Myth two, there's no ROI for social customer service. And number three, you know, my customers aren't on Twitter anyway, so why should I care? But before we dive in, 
tell us, uh, how did you first come to focus on social media and customer service in the first place? Well, you know, it was interesting. I was at Forrester, and I was watching how PR and marketing were latching onto social media. And I wondered what would happen if we applied social media to customer service, especially since it's the most customer-facing um, department of any department in the company. And so my initial look revealed that there were a lot of big business benefits. And um, there was also, you know, a lot of misconceptions and skepticism. And um, I felt like that the idea of what's the real value there, you know, where people were not quite understanding how it applied to real business versus just people, I don't know, sharing Facebook pictures of their kids, um, And to stop that initial chatter, what I did was I decided to embark and write the world's first social media ROI calculator. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But that was really to say, I mean, it was my own personal investigation to say, if there is actually value here, then I should be able to calculate it. And that's what I set out to do. That, that's great. I mean, trying to uh, put some uh, monetization, if you will, to the calculus is is important. I mean, it really brings some discipline to the thought process here, and, and really shows where value is or is not. So uh, perfect. Well, let's let's talk about myth number one, and that is social media doesn't really affect customer service. Tell us about that one. Well, when first when social media first got started, so Facebook. If you haven't seen the social network. It gives you a pretty good history of how Facebook came about. And it was basically used for college students to interact with each other. And what I see today is it's evolved into a very important way for companies to stay connected to the pulse of their customers. And I'm often asked about how does social media affect business, and in particular customer service. And so having been in corporate America a long time, I thought about, this guy, Edward Deming, and I was back at General Motors when, um, back in the early 70s, and his premise was to listen to your customers, listen to your employees, take that feedback and integrate it back into your company, and if you do that, you'd be really successful, and what I found was that when I was in the American auto industry, you really weren't interested in customer feedback, which, I don't know, I don't know what you think about that, Bruce, but I thought was really interesting. Yeah, no, it's kind of tragic uh, when you consider what ultimately happened with all that uh, knowledge and wisdom that uh, Edward Deming had. Uh, t- tell us what actually happened in the end with all that. Well, he was he was the one that was really trying to help the American auto industry uh, transform itself, and we sent him to Japan, and kind of the rest is history. We hope that's a bailout, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So the the Deming Award, all this sort of thing. I mean, people really uh, need to have themselves opened up to whatever input comes from the market, from their employees, from uh, their customers, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, social media is is now sort of a freebie. I mean, it's a gift to those people who are open to that, isn't it? Right, and I think that's, that's kind of the issue here, the word open. You're right on, Bruce, because most people aren't open to feedback. And I remember when I was at General Motors, I was an engineer back then, and we were testing. Um, we had a lot of cars that were, the doors were rusting all the way through. 
And the feedback, you know, people said, well, you know, I want to buy a car that the doors rust through because it makes me wonder if the rest of the car is reliable. And so they came to us in the research labs and said, you know, we still want to cut costs, but how can we do this better? And our recommendation was to stay with the two-sided galvanizing. And um, they said, well, it's a lot cheaper if we only galvanize one side of the door, but that's really why they were rusting through. So that was kind of my first uh, awakening, if you will, about how resistant companies are to hearing customer feedback. And they were very focused on how much does it cost us today to galvanize. Galvanization is the, the process that you do so things don't rust. You put it on steel so it, it doesn't rust through. And they were more interested in the short-term cost than they were the brand and having people drive around, especially in Detroit, uh, where there's snow and ice on the road a good part of the year, and having, you know, cars with holes in the side. And they really weren't looking at the customer feedback, and they weren't looking at um, kind of these indelible signs of choices that the company was making, and it did affect their branding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and and really, uh, you know, social media really lets us leverage the the principle that Deming described, um, you know, because there is a way now to easily collect that feedback. So if you have the openness of mind, and, and here's a, a phrase that I'll I'll share with you. One of our clients uh, found that they needed to do a lot of things, and there was a certain amount of uh, hesitation among the managers because they were afraid of showing bad benchmarking results. And the senior manager did a very interesting thing. He said, embrace the red, which meant any place where they were performing below or not doing so well, and this could come from social media as well, uh, instead of pushing it away and not wanting to hear it, uh, hug it. Try to actually take it, hug it, and find out what you can find out from it so that you can improve. And you do that, and you create a real virtuous circle. And uh, you can, you can, I think, uh, incorporate uh, social media into that kind of a process inside of an organization that has an open mind. That, that's exactly right. It's a really good story. And I think a lot of call center directors are afraid to look, right? And so there's the whole idea of should we benchmark maybe by boss will think I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Oftentimes, call center directors are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They know the business really well, and if if things aren't uh, going the way that they should, it's most often not their fault. It's decisions that get made uh, much higher above their pay grade that mm-hmm. can they, you know really handicap them from making the right decision. And I know how that feels because you know they asked, they came to me, asked my opinion about, you know, as a metallurgical engineer, what should we do with the two-sided galvanizing? I made my recommendation, and they ignored me. So, right, right. Um, yeah. I, I call that the uh, Rodney Dangerfield effect. You just don't get enough respect. <laughs> That's right, exactly. exactly. Well, you know, and the other thing is it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you find bad things out from social media. Sometimes, in other words, in terms of the myth, social media doesn't affect customer service. Um, I'm sure you've seen situations like one I saw a few months ago. Uh, this was a company in the tourism slash uh, transportation sector, and they were a bit at the mercy of weather as well as the occasional uh, mechanical breakdown. 
And so people who were using their services on a regular basis were, um, you know, attuned to their Twitter and Facebook accounts. And so they could actually get the word out on a situation uh, ahead of time or as soon as they found out about it. And, and they were actually able to do some crowdsourcing, find out what was going on from uh, their, their loyal customers, and actually get that out to others, which in turn prevented a slew of calls into the call center. And this uh, was clearly a, a situation where social media does affect customer service. Done well, it can both be a real big satisfier as well as um, something that, that reduces cost. Absolutely, Bruce. You know, kind of what I say to companies when, you know, they come to us and they say, okay, where do we get started? And we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit here. But you have to look, right? You can't do the ostrich because here's the thing is that in the old days, customers were saying things to each other, but they were saying it and they were maybe affecting 10 to 20 people. Now when someone posts on social media, millions, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people see it in nanoseconds. And the thing that people really need to understand is it's public. You can't take it back. And when you have enough people saying something, it's really going to affect your brand equity. And I think that if we think about social media as allowing us to leverage the principles that Deming described, now we really have this great way to collect feedback for what's, you know, mostly what's been known as what's the customer data. And if we think about that and we start to think about, okay, I mean, when I know we collect call center data and we look at call types and we look at, you know, why are people calling and then we try to fix our frequently asked questions so that we can drive people to self-service. But I think that sometimes what I've seen from a lot of, of people who want to do this but don't have the budget is the best way to start this, to show that there's an effect on customer service, is go to Google and type in the name of your company and the word hate. Type in the name of your company <laughs> and frustrated. And what you're going to find is that if you're in business, people are going to be saying some things about you that are good, and you're going to have stuff that's going to be said that's bad. And nobody's immune to it, right? Customers just yep. get frustrated, and now they have... This, uh, this place that they, they have it. And what I've seen work the best is, just like in the old days, Bruce, you know, when we were trying to help companies fix their call centers, we would try to get the CEO to come to the call center, talk to the agents, and listen to customer calls. And if we couldn't get them in the call center to actually see the body of people they're trying to, you know, save face for the company, then we minimally could record the calls and play them in a meeting. And then, of course, the executives would turn red in the face and say, how could this be? And under mm-hmm. our breath, we're thinking, you made these decisions. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. what I find really works is to do that Google search, um, and we'll talk about social media monitoring a little bit later, but find those conversations and do a screenshot and put them in a PowerPoint and send them to an executive and say, here's what people are saying about our company. Do you think this is something we might want to consider taking a look at. And, you know, of course, you have to kind of know the politics in your company and want anybody to get in trouble or get fired or something for being bold. 
But honestly, I don't think executives really understand social media or its value and this whole idea that you could collect feedback that could be very valuable. And when when executives start to see what's being said and then they realize, you know, then the, the first thing is I always get it, well, take that stuff down. And it's like, well, it was on Amazon, the review mm-hmm. section, or it was on the e-review site or somebody's blog. You can't take it down. It's there. It's permanent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's right. It, and uh, the, what you were just suggesting is to Google the name of your company with the word frustrated or hate or something. You can sort of do that in the quiet of your own home with no other managers around. But then, you know, you should take that back in, uh, embrace the red, and do something about it. So that, that's great. Well, let, let me just ask you about the second myth, and that is that there's no ROI for social customer service. Tell us about that, because you've been a real pioneer in this area. Well, I, I think it's really interesting that if you think about it, if social media is really an extension of what Deming told us, right, that you can get extremely good voice of the customer data, then it has to have value. And if you think about creating a product where you got feedback from your customers, what, what they liked, what they didn't like, I mean, how many of us have bought a product, went to go use it, and then you're thinking, what were they thinking? Like, this doesn't mm-hmm. meet the promise, right? It, I read the bullet points on the box, but it doesn't really do that. And so there's this disconnect between customers' expectations and product development. So let's say that you use the feedback, you develop products that customers were asking for. Think about the cost of acquisition for those customers. Think about the cost of sales. If you're producing things that customers said they wanted, then the cost of sale is going to go down. Your marketing costs are going to go down. Customers really appreciate when they feel like they've been listened to, which creates a, a unique type of loyalty. And now if you're actually looking at the customer data and you're applying it, so those are how you apply it to all the other departments. But now you start to understand what's wrong with service and what are the biggest uh, complaints. Now you can start to transform the service so that you're providing better service. But what I find is oftentimes the things that people complain about in customer service often have very little to do with the service itself, but have to do with the product or have to do with the offer that they were given. And so if you start to segment out the number of calls the customer service is answering that are really product-related or, you know, what about my bill or I paid for this but I got that, you can start to see that customer service is really has a burden to answer the questions for other departments that aren't really set up with technology to be able to interface yep. with the customer, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, I, I, those are great points. And uh, is there a practical example that uh, you can give us to sort of help us understand better how this ROI could work or how you've seen it work? Yeah, so a really good example is my friend Charles, who works over at DirecTV. And um, he, so it was a a hockey uh, championship on TV. And people Mm -hmm. are very passionate about their hockey, right? And they Mm -hmm. lost the signal. Mm. And so (laughs) it's not a good thing on a Sunday afternoon, right? And so Mm. what he did was he had a dashboard and he was monitoring um, not only his own service channel, DirecTV's, you know, channel, but he was also monitoring competitors. 
And what he saw was that they weren't the only ones that lost the signal. And so what they realized was that the, um, there was a problem with the uh, transmitter that was coming from the headquarters, and that had gone down. There was a lightning strike, and it had struck one of the, the satellite uh, transmitters. So within about 20 seconds from scanning the social media data, he was able to see what the problem was. He started tweeting out the solution. He started um, posting it um, on their IDR. He posted it on the website. And so they have benchmarked when they have uh, you know, signal outages, the difference between the number of calls that they normally have when something like this happens and this particular day where they, was, they were asked, actually able to use social media to get the word out. And there was a 50% reduction in calls for this type of emergency. Well, you know, you take the cost of a call times the number of calls you'd normally have, and you can start to see that you just, in that tiny example, the return on investment. Right. The other, right. Okay. The other does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm thinking that uh, there are some exciting areas of ROI here. Uh, including, for instance, uh, we talked before about call deflection, and that's one that can certainly be estimated in cases of uh, companies like the one I was talking about earlier. And you can put numbers on that and say, okay, we are investing. We, in fact, in, in the case of this center, they had people rotating from the center through the uh, social media area, which was its own little area. And uh, that cost something, obviously. It didn't cost a whole lot, but it cost something. And uh, they were able to figure out what, with, with our help, you know, what the call deflection uh, was that, that uh, they could claim as a result of that. Uh, there's also a bit of the, the crowdsourcing where you can actually find things out from the crowd uh, and save a lot of money on things like, like um, you know, focus groups and marketing, et cetera. It's like the free focus group in the sky with, um, in the cloud with uh, social media. And uh, you can use that information to put into your knowledge management system and then uh, hopefully reduce talk times in some cases and improve first call resolution because your customers have actually figured out answers to questions uh, perhaps before you have. Uh, and that doesn't even touch the other areas that you can try to uh, calculate an ROI on, which would be, for instance, new product ideas that come from the crowd or just trying to reduce negative uh, emotion in, in social media, which, of course, can hurt you. Uh, but, yeah, uh, there, there's a lot there. So, sorry, I think you had another thought, too, there. Well, so one of the things that's really important about social media is the idea of customer advocates. And what's interesting is that people are talking about your brand, whether you know it or not. And the question becomes, mm -hmm. have you created a place, a destination site, where they can participate with you? and add to what you're doing. So one of the things that Charles did was he went out and he looked at remote controls, DVRs, communities, and he found a guy, he found about 20 people that he has as advocates, but he found um, one particular guy who was an expert at remote controls, and he has 250 remote controls. This is clearly his hobby. And he asked the guy, would you like to be part of our community? So if you think about someone who has um, what I think would maybe occur to many of us as an obscure hobby, when someone has a hobby like that, 
and they get invited by a very big company to participate with them, they feel very honored and recognized. And what's interesting about the advocates is they don't really want to be paid. They're thought leaders. And thought leaders, their pay is what I call social currency. So they just want to be known as the really smart people, who the go-to people, right? And so if you start to think about that, if you did a focus group with 12 people, and focus groups are about $15,000, and you did one focus group a month with 12 people, and they typically last two hours, and you did one of those a month, it would cost you $180,000. For $180,000, you can really do social media monitoring. Um, It doesn't really cost that much, so you'd have a bunch left over. You could start to build a community. And what's really interesting is the idea, all the ideas that you were talking about, Bruce, is this idea of that they're experts that can have the answers and are mm-hmm. willing to work for free. So in the old days, let's say you're a call center manager, and you say, I want 20 people to work 20 hours a week, and the pay is zero. Who would answer mm-hmm. that ad? Nobody would answer that ad, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you understand the idea behind social media and brand advocates, and then if you enroll them properly, give them a place to be part of a community, they will answer your most important questions. And from that comes call deflection, comes better answers that you can integrate into your call center, uh, improve your knowledge management system, increase your first call resolution. And that's the connection, I think, Bruce, that I really wanted to make sure that we made in this, this radio interview is that it's not obvious, right? If you're not inside of social media, it may not be obvious, the connection, but there are basic steps that you can take in order to get your company to that place where you have these things working for you. Great. No, those are those are great insights, and I think that kaboom we just heard in the background was the exploding of that third myth about my customers aren't on Twitter because uh, <laughs> a lot of them are, <laughs> and, and even if some of them aren't, the ones that are can be just so important. Uh, but at this point, why don't we uh, get some listener questions because we've got a number of them that are, are piling up here. So, uh, Sean, uh, over to you for the first listener question. Okay, this question comes from Brooke, and I think it's uh, kind of timely. The question is, there is a, a lot of social media technology available today. How do you determine which is the best investment? That's a really good question. And I would say that you really need to benchmark your call center. So not only benchmarking your traditional technology, right, but also your social media capabilities. And one of the things that's really important is that if you're going to venture into social media, you really want to start probably with social media monitoring because you want to understand what's being said about your brand. Because if you go out there and there's stuff that's being said, you need to address those things immediately. So I've seen lots of companies go out, not do the monitoring, launch into social media with some sort of campaign, and then they get a firestorm of negative reactions. So your first step is really to look at social media monitoring tools. But one of the things that sometimes people have social media over here and regular business over here, and the idea is to integrate them. So if there are things that people are unhappy about, 
about how you provide service and you don't address those, then that's where you're going to get the firestorm. And so if you benchmark where you are in traditional technology, oftentimes the issues that customers have with the company come from the lack of people, process, and technology being optimized. So for instance, um, the customer calls in, uh, they say their account number, and then they get transferred to an agent, and then the agent asks them uh, for the, their account number. And the customer's thinking, I just gave you that. Why are you asking me again? And what's interesting is how irritated people get about doing that. And so the reason that happens is because you don't have true uh, telephony. You don't have the connection between what's typed into the keypad and it doesn't pop to the desktop, right? And so things like that irritate customers. So you want to start to look at benchmarking your traditional technology as well as your social media technology and then mm -hmm. start to see where the gaps are. And you also want to mm -hmm. say, what are your business goals, right? Are you trying to reduce calls? Do you want to increase agent productivity? Do you want to take that voice of the customer data and integrate it back into your company? So, I mean, just like any other really, I guess, business decisions, you really have to look at what are your business goals and then benchmark and then decide up and it, what happens to companies. I mean, you see this all the time, Bruce, is that, you know, you have this whole list of things and you have to start to really prioritize, you know, because you mm -hmm. can't change everything at once. Right, right. In fact, massive simultaneous change always leads to failure. But on the other hand, uh, having a plan that's really well structured and sequenced really leads to great results. And uh, I think the the point you're bringing out, which is that, this sort of thing takes thought, and it takes uh, technology along with the, um, you know, going right back to what is our purpose here? What is it we're trying to accomplish? And make sure that you build the people, processes, and technology around that is, is really important uh, important stuff. So, Sean, do we have another question? Uh, we do. This one comes from uh, Stephen. Um, what are the next steps after social media monitoring? Good question. So, you have to start with monitoring, right, because you need to know what's being said. And then you want to start to think about what is it that you're going to add to social media. So part of it is really looking at do you have the people, right, that know how to deal with social media. So there may be some, if you look at people, props, and technology, you start to look at how would you respond Right? And how do you scale the responses? Because you don't want to just log into Twitter. You need some sort of Twitter dashboard, you know, minimally tweet deck or who's tweet, but maximally what you want to start to look at is um, the idea of being able, just like in a call center, you can route calls to an agent. You can route uh, tweets. You can route Facebook posts. You can route all kinds of content into the agent desktop and then have people to respond. But you also want to think about that everything that someone does in social media is a public record. So I think about social media like it's a cave painting and it's recorded, it's permanent, and it lasts just like cave paintings for millions of years. And so when you have agents that are looking at how to respond, you want to make sure that you have 
really good processes. So if someone's blogging or tweeting, let's say tweeting, um, oftentimes you can say, you see the tweet, you say, okay, how can I help you? I'm really sorry you're having a problem. And then the person mm -hmm. responds if they're on Twitter. And then you can ask them to send you a direct message, which is a more private message. And then you can get their phone number and look up their record. But there has to be this process, right, to be able to to take the call out of the public eye, resolve it, and then oftentimes when you do resolve it really well, what happens is customers are um, so ecstatic that you are listening that they post nice things. And then you need to mm -hmm. train your people, right? And you need to have yep. the technology for them to use. So monitor and benchmark and then your whole the whole set of what you need to do is going to become a little bit more obvious after you do that kind of, you know, just lay of the land, what do we have, and kind of a gap analysis. Then it becomes easier to structure what you have and you have context to be able to go mm -hmm. to your management and say, here's best practices, here's where we are, we're really behind, we need to step it up. Right, right. Oh, those are all great points, and uh, just indicates to how important it is to put the thought, the time, and uh, in some cases a bit of investment into this area. Uh, but it can pay back, and the ROI on it, it can be just really tremendous. Well, you know, I want to thank you, Dr. Natalie, and and also to our listeners and to Sean. Uh, anyone wishing to get in touch with Dr. Natalie to follow up on these topics can write to social media at benchmarkportal.com. That's social media at benchmarkportal.com. And uh, love to, uh, I'm sure she'd love to follow up with you on these things. So, Sean, over to you to wrap things up. Thanks again to Dr. Nat and Bruce uh, for a really insightful discussion and show today. You know, social media is just such a, a hot topic. And, um, you know, I know uh, a lot of the listeners got some great information. Um, congratulations to our winner today, Stephen from Bank of America. Uh, Stephen, make sure you email me at sean at benchmarkportal.com so I can help arrange for you to receive your in-depth reality check report. Um, be sure to join us next time, uh, June 13th, when we uh, talk about site location with Jim Troba. Don't forget to sign up for your free reality check at benchmarkportal.com to see how your center compares to others in the industry. From all of us at Benchmark Portal, Keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Sean Veerling signing out. Have a great day.